All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Vine. My mic is working. I plugged it in this time, so we're good to go. Everyone had it all ready for me, but you know how I roll. Sometimes you got to cause a little chaos because to construct, you got to destruct, right? Like, is that? No. Anyway, well, I'm so thankful that we are here continuing our series called It's His Year because, believe it or not, I know many of us are in a situation where the calendar changed, but it seems like our circumstances didn't. Maybe our circumstances did change, but they changed for the worse, right? And that's what we're talking about this year. Regardless of what's happening in the circumstance that we're walking on, we are living out in 2021 declaring that it's his year. And as we walk through this and talk about this, what we're doing is we are building up to January 31st. Now, you may already have this, and that's okay if you do. It's awesome if you do. Thank you if you do. But as a church, we are asking everyone to seek God for the word he would have for them in 2021. Maybe it's a Bible verse. I know I've been saying one word all the way through. One word is easier. I'm like a, a ADD, you know, so like I, I'm like a squirrel. Oh, look, squirrel. You know, like it's just where I'm at. So I can only focus on one word so many times. But maybe it's a Bible verse for 2021 that God gives you to declare over you, to speak over you, something that you focus on throughout the entire year. And what we're going to do is we're going to bring those back on January 31st, Sunday, January 31st, and we're going to lay those at the altar uh, you can leave your name on it. You don't have to leave your name on it, whatever that is. And we would love to pray over that as a church family for the entire year. Because here at The Vine, we, our word as a church is roots. Uh, not like I'm talking about my highlights, like I've said before. You can see my roots. I may or may not be aging. I hope that's wisdom. But whatever it is, as we go, we're talking about roots. We as a church want to grow deeper roots this year in the Lord and deeper roots together. We've talked about some ways that we're going to do that, and that's what I believe God wants for each and every one of us individually. We've talked about committing to taking the next step that God calls you to take, whatever that is. We've talked about committing to reading your Bible daily and having prayer daily. We've talked about committing to live the generous life that God calls you to give, whatever that is. Maybe it's buying someone's coffee or buying a donut or thinking when you go to Krispy Kreme, I came for donuts, and God says, uh, Tyler, maybe you don't need any more donuts. That person behind you might take a few, you know, as I'm getting my James Harden bod. I'm just saying, it is what it is. Wherever you are, if you know, you know. Like, if you have that, maybe that's what it is. We, we, we've talked about committing to gathering together at least one Sunday, or at least one time this year, outside of a Sunday, all the way through. And we've also talked about the committing to inviting one person to church. And I want to make that clear. It doesn't have to be our church. It could be any church. Because the local church is around the world. And the reason that I would say that we can grow deeper roots as a church that way is if all of us as the body of Christ across the world live out being exactly who we are created to be, my goodness, what a change the world would see. And so that's what we're talking about this year as we can hear pin drops and going through this. And I just want to tell you this, that as we get ready for this, as we walk through uh, Nehemiah here in just a moment, I want you to know this. We aren't the first people in the human race to ever go through a year like 2020. We may think we have been, and believe it or not, God willing and the creek don't rise and Christ doesn't come again, we won't be the last one to go through a year like 2020. But the thing is, God created us to walk through 2020, to step into 2021, to bring him the most glory because he is preparing a good thing for us. And so for us, as we go there, I want to just tell you, your circumstance may not have changed. It might have got worse. When 2020 went to 2021, maybe you thought it was going to be great and uh, rainbows, unicorns, and butterflies. And it's anything but. It 
it's stinky, it's smelly, it's rough. And you may think you're alone, but I want to tell you the best place you can be is in the house of God with the people of God, knowing that you are not walking through it alone, because each and every person here knows where our hope lies. And that's what we're going to be talking through today as we walk through God is still here. All right, we're going to have some crowd participation. Repeat after me. God is still here. Now say it like you've got faith and you believe it as we're in 2021. God is still here. And if God is still here, we have hope. We can see where God showed up all throughout the Bible. And the thing is, if we've still got a breath in our lungs, God is still here. There is still hope for us. We're going to see this play out in Nehemiah. If you've got your Bible today, we're going to be in a couple of different spots in Nehemiah. But if you really want to get there and know where we're going to camp out the most, it'll be in Nehemiah too. Now, if you don't know where Nehemiah is, take your Bible, cut it in half. You're going to land somewhere around Psalms. Flip to the left, and you're going to run into Nehemiah. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one free for the asking. We have them over in our garden, or you can follow along with us on the Bible app. We, we love being able to do that, where you can take notes there. Or our Vine Production team's incredible. It's going to be on the screen, wherever you're watching around the world. So if you've got your Bible today, let's get to Nehemiah 1 first. Because you got to start with one, right? Like you got to start at the beginning to know what's going on. And I want to tell you what's happening when it comes to a year like 2020. The nation of Israel has experienced 92 years of 2020. 92 straight years of 2020. Chaos, disaster, and brokenness. So much so, what ended up happening is God delivered Israel into the promised land. And they decided to chase the desires of their heart more than seeking God, more than giving him the glory, more than being who he created them to be. If you ever want to read, read Paul's letter to the Romans. I've been in there in my quiet time, my individual quiet time, and it just, it, it shows a picture of what we're living in right now. Romans 1 specifically, and Israel was there, is that God said, you know what, if you're not going to seek after me and, and, and I'm not your treasure, I will give you to the desires of your heart, but it will lead to your destruction. And that is where Israel was. So much so, they went after the desires of their hearts. So the, na- the nation of Babylon, this king called Nebuchadnezzar, I like to call him Nebi. We're cool like that. Nebuchadnezzar goes in and he, bes- he sieges Jerusalem, tears down the wall of Jerusalem, brings, the exile, brings them into exile, into slavery for 70 years, just as God said what happened to the prophet Isaiah, all the way through. And 70 years they're in slavery. And the king of Babylon then says, hey, You've done great for 70 years. You can go back home. So you would think it would get better, right? They can go back home. Everything's peachy keen. Everything's going to be great. Well, for over 20 years, they are still broken down, beaten up, and feel like they're in chains just like they were when they were in Babylonian captivity. And I'll be honest with you. I think that's probably how many of us feel right now. Many of us may even feel chained to 2020. Many of us, as we go into this day and we go into, like, I don't know about you, I don't turn on the news because it frustrates me so many times because it's depressing. God's over all of it, but you don't even want to do that because you're so afraid of what happened in 2020. You're so chained to that that you're like, oh, what's going to happen next? Oh, great. Mars had an earthquake. You know, like what happened? The first Krispy Kreme on Mars. I'm saying that a lot because they're open. If I said Chick-fil-A, you'd throw something at me. So like all the way through, you see all this. You're worried about what happened because of 2020. But I just want you to see as Nehemiah did, it's not about what happened in 2020. It's about where your hope is. 
And as you're seeking out this word for the Lord, we're going to learn from Nehemiah some things that have to be true about this word or have to be true about this verse if we're going to really live it out. So if you've got your Bible, let's get to Nehemiah 1 and verse 3 and 4. Nehemiah 1, verse 3 and 4, and it says this. They said to me, those who survived the exile, that's the nation of Israel who were in slavery, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Many of us right now feel broken down like that wall. Many of us right now feel like no matter where we turn, we're burned like that wall. Many of us right now may even be where Nehemiah is, and we've been in a season of grief and mourning because we are moved by everything that is going on, whether personally or collectively, at what we are experiencing. But the thing is, it's just the beginning of the story. It's not the end. And what I love about following Jesus and what I love about God is the story is continuing to be written. It's the never-ending story, if you will. It's not over because God is still here. Because if it was, none of us would be. Because the one who spoke creation into being will be the same one that can take it away. And so as we see for Nehemiah all the way through, I just want to speak to us because I believe that many of us could be there. Maybe we are like the nation of Israel Asking, will it ever get any better? Will it ever change? Because here's the thing. All throughout Israel's history, they left from slavery. Remember, Moses goes and there's a burning bush and there's fire and he leads them out of Egypt. They go through all these plagues and and they get to the Red Sea and, and God parts the Red Sea and they step into the promised land. They turn their back on God. God brings them back into slavery. Now they've gotten out of slavery again and they're thinking... Are we just going to keep going in and out of this constantly? Are we going to be stuck in this circle of brokenness and beatdown in everything we do? And today what I want you to know is as depressing that is, the hope that we have in Christ is so much greater and non-depressing and joy-filled and knowing that God is still here. So when somebody comes and gripes at you, just say God is still here today. Hey, I noticed that you didn't park your car the right way. God is still here, man. It is what it is. You just go on, do your thing. Like when you go and you're in a rush at the grocery store and you park in the wrong space, don't take the maternity space seriously. That's dirty. That's messed up. Because if you've ever seen a poor mama having to walk in there and they got their kids all over don't park in that space you can park in the one beside it like you know what is what it is don't do that like say god is still here if somebody gripes at you about your hair about how you look about what you're doing god is still here man i'm not worried about it it is what it is if your roots be showing don't worry about it god is still here god is still here it is what it is if somebody does that say god is still here because the thing is god is still here so let's see how this story kind of not fully ends but works out for nehemiah and the wall. Flip over to Nehemiah 6 really quick. Nehemiah 6, verse 15 and 16. As we're walking through that, love hearing the pages turn. Verse 15 and 16 says this. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. What hadn't been done in 90 plus years was done in 52 days. 
Wouldn't that be awesome if you could take a magic pill to know that you could, in 52 days, you could get 90 years of experience? Do, like, what if you went in and for 52 days, you could get 90 plus years of pay? And that, would you take that? Like, I would take that all day long. If you knew in 52 days, you could do that. That's what happens with this wall. That's what happens with Jerusalem. Verse 16, when all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because their confidence was in themselves. And this is, this is why they lost it. Because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. When we do what Nehemiah did, he fasted, he prayed, he mourned, he was grieved, he was moved. It makes, it's pointing to Jesus when he was moved with compassion over the crowds. Like He mourned and he sought God first and said, God, my city is broken. What would you have me do? My people are broken. What would you have me do? And I'll be honest with you. I have prayed that prayer more than I could even count because I know that many of us are broken. We can put a great face on. I do it too. I mean, you don't wake up looking this good. But at the same time, like, you know what I mean? That's great. Everybody knows. I'm sorry, hair and makeup. I messed that up. Wherever you are, like, whatever that is, like, I'm telling you, many of us are broken down. And that's okay, because we're going to see how God builds that up. So wherever you are, I want you to see, when we walk through this word, we seek God first, walk in faithful obedience, it will show the world him, and he will do things unimaginable in our lives and in the lives of those around us, the lives that we're growing deep roots with, as we grow deeper roots in him. Because 90 plus years, 52 days, from a guy that was a cupbearer for the king, that tasted everything first, and if he croaked, then the king knew that he couldn't drink that. Like, if he went down, the king wouldn't drink it. Oh, and by the way, because of God's faithfulness, we're not going to get into this day, but the king paid for all that. Like, the king sent everything. I mean, it's crazy when you look through all that. It's crazy awesome how God worked that out. And so the questions you may be asking today before we go on and spend our time in Nehemiah 2 is this. What gave the nation of Israel hope? What gave them hope for the future? Because they've had not, that's over a generation. Imagine you were a one-year-old child and you went into exile and you're 90 at that wall. 90 years old. Do you think it gets any better? Do you think you have hope? If they had hope, like what gave them the courage to even rebuild the wall? Why in the world would you rebuild a wall that hadn't been built for 90 years? This old house. You know what I'm saying. If you know, you know. Uh, I guess Chip and Joanna. What's the name of theirs again? Whatever, whatever their little show is. All these things. Like 90 years. Why would you rebuild something if you didn't have a hope for the future? But more importantly, what set them free from their failure in the past? Because everywhere they turned, they were burned. Everywhere they looked, they were broken down. Every time they thought of something, they were in chains. And what stopped them from this downward spiral that they were in? Because whether you follow Jesus or not, I would love for you to consider him today because I'm telling you that if your hope is in him, you will be able to be a part of something greater than you can ask or imagine. However, if your hope is in yourself, just like everyone else is here, you'll see that you're constantly living broken down. You're constantly living beaten up. You're constantly living burned at every turn. You're constantly living in a space and a place that you can't figure out because I hate to tell you, we were never meant to figure it out. We seek the one who has it figured out. And I spent a lot of my life trying to figure it out. I'll be honest with you. And I always say, one day I'll figure it out. No, the figuring it out is just listening to Jesus and doing what he says. If I can just do that and figure that out, I'll be okay. But so many times I like to figure it out on my own. So maybe that's where you are. So if we, the answer to all those questions is how did they do it? Because it came from the help of our God.
That's how all of that happened. So Nehemiah 2 says this. When he gets there, I want to show you, I'm building this up. When you get to your word, maybe you have your word, and I want to tell you, this is going to be a reinforcement for your word or verse. Maybe you don't. I'm going to challenge you. Step in. Let's do this together as a family. Let's see what God does through that this year. Nehemiah 2, verse 19 and 20. As I have a UFC fight with this microphone. That was awesome. Uh, (laughs) Verse 19 and 20 says this. But Sanballat the Horonite, what a name. Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arab heard about it. They mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? I, that being Nehemiah, answered them by saying, The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. Right when Nehemiah stepped in, and if you follow Jesus for any amount of time, you know this. Right when you take that step of obedience, right when God gives you the word and you're afraid to share it because you're worried about what's going to happen or the verse, and you're really struggling with whether you can truly believe it to happen, the first thing that's going to happen is you're going to meet opposition. 100%. 100% opposition. So much so, these guys, these guys just pester Nehemiah all the way through. I was the youngest in my family, so they were worse than a little brother, like pestering everyone all the way through. They just found a way to pester, 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 pester him everywhere through, and he still built it in 52 days. Not by himself, but the entire nation came together and did that. So as we are going to see when it comes to this, it's going to be who or what we listen to that makes all the difference with this word and makes all the difference of what we are doing and makes all the difference with our hope lies. So I got four things to share with you. It'll only take like four or five hours. We'll be good. We got an hour, please. We're going to have a guest speaker, have a little breakout, a little matinee afterwards. Hey, if you hang in that long, God willing, the creek don't rise. We'll do it. So four things I want to share with you about your word. Four things I want to share with you that Nehemiah lived out. Four things today, if you are searching for your word or reinforcing your word or verse for 2021, four things that will help you with that, that we can see played out in Nehemiah to be a part of what God wanted to do. Number one, if you're taking notes, your word needs to be God-centered. 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 Nehemiah 2 verse 20 shows and we started even in verse and in, in chapter one verse three and four verse 20 says the god of heaven the god of heaven nehemiah knew where to start he started god center he said i'm going to start with god before i do anything and as you're considering your word you're considering what you're doing did you start with god because so many times i'm guilty of it I'll try to get three steps ahead and be like, come on, God, where are you going? He's like, no, 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 that's the wrong way. Come on, God, like, let's go, let's go do this. And he said, no, 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 son, this is where you need to go. This is where you need to go. No, 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 no. I know I'm going into oncoming traffic. No big deal. I like Frogger. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Like, come on, God, let's go. And God's like, no, 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 no. You need to seek me first before you take action. Wherever your word is, I want you to know, seek God for it. If you ask him, he'll show it to you in his time, not yours. In his time. Because here's the thing that I want you to know today. Nothing great in our life is going to happen if we don't start with God. When I look back on my life, there's been nothing great in my life without God being the reason for it. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. That sounds dismal, but it's real. There is nothing in my life that has been lasting if I didn't start with God first. And I'm telling you, when you are part of what God is doing and you know it's going to last eternally, 
Man, oh man, it completely changes what you're doing and how you live and why you live and who you listen to and what you listen to and everything else. And so I want to share with you three C's of Christianity. This is a bonus question. This is for extra credit on the quiz. Three C's of Christianity that all of us can work through. Three C's of Christianity. It sounds good. I know the C's of Christianity. Three C's of Christianity all the way through. And number one, if you are a Christian, all of us have Christ. Otherwise, you can't be a Christian. You're a fake Christian. I don't know what, what we would call you. You would be religious is what we would call you, but not a Christian. So if you are a Christian, the first C is you have Christ. The second C is church. Now, some Christians have church. Not all Christians have church. And the reason that I talked all the way through 2020, I had to get off social media. Sorry, I haven't been there in a while. I mean, there are people even reaching out to me that didn't even know my mother passed away because I haven't been on social media much. But I had to get off social media in the middle of last year. I told you just as much as I was because it was breaking my heart. The climate that was around Christians tearing other Christians down and pastors tearing other pastors down. I mean, it was insane and I just want to say if that was you I get it that's awesome but here's the thing that I want to tell you if you're really connected to the body of Christ involved in the church taking steps of obedience realizing that we are accomplishing what God wants us to do together I ain't got time to worry about what you're saying or doing I'm too busy worried about the eternity of others to worry about what you said or did about me I could care less but we have so many people that are in the cheap seats talking about how terrible the church is, talking about how crazy it is. And I want to tell you, I understand we've all been hurt by the church at some moment in time. But I want to tell you, realize that our Savior died for us and we've hurt him more than the church could ever hurt us. And so as we walk through this, I want to say all Christians have Christ. Some Christians have church. And if you're not a part of a church, get plugged in. Dive in. It's not going to be perfect. This church ain't perfect because I'm in it. Plug in. See what God can do, and he will show you who he created you to be. But the thing that many of us struggled with as Christians is being centered. Centered. What is the center of our life? Is Jesus the center of our life? Is he the one that we filter everything through? And see, when you fully get there is when you just see him do something incredible. Something that you can't even explain right now. You can't even imagine it. But it starts with Christ gets you into the church, and from there you will see living centered. And the reason that's so important that Jesus is the center of our life is whatever I center my life on will be the thing I fill my life with. If I center my life on food, I'll fill my life with food. If I center my life on career, I'll fill my life with career. If I center my life on education and diplomas, I'll center my life on education and diplomas. If I center my life on my bank account, I'm going to do everything I can to fill my bank account. Whatever I center my life on is the thing I fill my life with. And I want to tell you, if there's one thing that Jesus wants for us, one thing that I want for you, one thing selfishly I want myself, I want to be more centered and filled with Jesus than anything else this world has to offer. Because I'm telling you, it'll never satisfy. The world will only leave me broken down like those walls in Jerusalem. 100%. So whatever your word is, it needs to be God-centered because that's how Nehemiah accomplished that great worth. Number two, faith-focused. Faith-focused. So it's got to be God-centered. It's got to be faith-focused. Look, he says, he says this in verse 20. First, he said the God of heaven. The second thing he says, will give us success. 
will give us success. So he he worked God-centered, then he moved into being faith-focused as he went into Jerusalem to see what in the world was going on and what was happening as his heart was shattered and broken for these people. And he didn't go in with his his sword up saying, I'm going to fix all this. He said it relied on the God of heaven, our God. Our God will give us success. Not me, not the work that I do, but the obedience that we have to accomplish the work that he set out for us to do. Huge difference. Why is this important? What you center your life on, you'll fill your life with. And what you focus your life on will determine your direction. How many folks want a new car? Like you want a new car. How many folks then bought the new car? So you, you bought a, a, a red Tesla. I don't know. I'm just going to make this up. You bought a red Tesla. Do you see a red Tesla everywhere you go? Don't talk to me about manufacturing numbers. I'm just being real. But everywhere you go, you start seeing red Teslas that you didn't see before or after. And you're like, man, that was my new car. Now everybody's got it. I don't stand out. That doesn't work. It's because you're focused. This is what you're focused on. Nehemiah said, hey, I'm not focused just on rebuilding this wall. I'm focused on doing the work of God. And in doing that, he accomplished something that hadn't been done in 90 years in Jerusalem and rebuilt the wall. That's what we get to be a part of. And for each and every one of us, what I love about this is Nehemiah is so broken for his city, so compassionate. He he wants to walk in obedience so, so much to be a part of what God wants to do. That because of that, an entire city was changed. What if the one word God gave you for 2021 looked at the brokenness all around us and every city that our Vine fam is in changed, every neighborhood, every job, every career, every person you came in contact with that was broken down, beaten up, life in shambles, life shattered, walking with no hope, finally found hope. What if you just took that step of obedience And walked in faith and said, God, this one word that you've given me, I'm going to walk in faith. Knowing whatever you've called to accomplish through it, I I don't want to stand in the way of it. Show me what to do. That's what Nehemiah did. Now, when it comes to our focus, there are some crazy things. This story's a little crazy. I encourage you to read it. But the one thing he didn't focus on was the size of that problem. He didn't walk in there and be like, we haven't done this in 90 years. Guess we'll get something done. I can get there sometimes, trust me. He, he was in there and he'd be like, this is a 90-year problem. Like, what in the world? It's a 90-year issue. Can you see the bricks on that thing? Like, they are messed up. Like, I can jump over that wall, and that's a bad thing if I can jump over it. Like, he's saying, he didn't go in there saying this problem was too big. He said, it's not about the size of the problem. It's about the size of my God. Like, God will give us success. He also did not stop the work that God called him to because of the people in the cheap seats, screaming the loudest. He was not going to let them stop, stop the work that God wanted to do. Sometimes in your life, until you walk through this brokenness, can you ever see and hear the people in the cheap seats? And I think what's happening right now, and this is why I had to get off social media for a minute, just honestly, is I started seeing the people in the cheap seats screaming the loudest, and it broke my heart. Because I never saw Jesus having to shout anything he said, he said when he came, remember when, on Palm Sunday, he, he said, if these people didn't scream and worship, even the rocks would cry out. And there's a worship song that talks about, hey, how dare the rocks cry out louder than me and my worship of you, Lord? How dare the rocks cry out? What if we live that way? 
not worried about the size of our shout, but the size of our God. How could we live that out? So Nehemiah said, hey, it's got to be God-centered. It's got to be faith-focused. And the rut he focused on was God's faithfulness. He said, God, look, look, if you called us to this promised land, you delivered us from slavery before, you let us walk through the Red Sea that you parted on dry land. We went into the promised land, defeated every enemy you placed in front of us. Even though we turned our back on you, you even said we would be in slavery for 70 years. And right when that calendar flipped over, Boom, you sent us back there. So if you are calling this wall to be rebuilt and your people to be rebuilt, I trust you because your path faithfulness is is my future provision. I mean, I've heard it said that way and, and a lot of people platitude that, I'll be real. If you struggle with where you are in life and whether God will provide in the future, look at how faithful he's been in your past. Look at how faithful he's been in his word. So much so he loved us enough. He sent his son regardless of us. He was faithful to us when we didn't deserve it. And if he will send his son to die for us and pay for our sin, I'm pretty sure he can provide for my future, whatever that is. Regardless of who the president is, regardless of who's in power, regardless of what a politician who's only trying to get reelected said, regardless of that horrible boss you work for, regardless of all of that, he is faithful. So when we've walked through this and we see that we have to be God-centered, we have to be God-focused, we have to be faith-focused, the third thing we've got to have is we've got to be servant-hearted. We've got to be servant-hearted. Servant-hearted, 100%. That, it's, verse 20 again says, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven, God-centered, will give us success, faith-focused. The next thing he said is, we his servants. We his servants. Nehemiah realized he couldn't do this alone. And the thing that I will tell you, and I, and I struggle with this. I'll just be real with it. We've got a lot of things. I'll be real, and I'll put it on the table. It took me, I'm 36. Depends on who's asking. 53, whatever. It is what it is. But 36, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Might be 67, 68, 69, I don't know, 95. Maybe I'm 95. It is what it is. Sometimes I feel that way. As you get older, it's harder to get out of bed. If you know, you know. But like all the way through, what I want you to see when it comes to this that I struggled with that you have to understand that others are around you, and, and I still struggle with it, so I'll be honest with you. It took me a long time to realize whoever does the most work, more work will be given to you. Here's what I'm getting at. You can never say that I don't work hard. Don't always show, but like you can never say I don't work hard. And so I always got the promotion. I always got the next step, but the problem is when it comes to that, what Nehemiah understood that we all have to understand is this all of us together that happens. So where am I getting at? You got to trust to get more work done is going to require more people and more people stepping in faithful obedience to be all that God created them to be in addition to you is what lets you be a part of what God is trying to do. The great thing. That's why we have to step into the local body. As Christians, we all start with Christ, but we've got to be plugged in to church because it's going to take all of us to do the work he wants to do. He didn't die just so that one or two of us could experience his fullness and joy. He died so that all of us could. So as we all come together collectively as a church and build this church every week and tear it down every week and go out into the streets every week and profess his name, we've got to be servant-hearted got to be servant-hearted. So is your word servant-hearted, or is it about you? Like, if your word comes up here, I'm still going to pray for you. If it's lottery winning, I'm still going to pray for you, because that's the word you said the Lord gave you. But is it about you, or is it about the people that God has placed in front of you? 
Like I said, it took a long time to realize the more work you do, the more work will be given. And the reason that God gives you that more work is because he's going to bring the people along to help you do it. Question is, will you trust him and them to do it? That's the hard part. And that's where I can struggle at times. I'll be real with you. So what happens is Nehemiah realized he couldn't do it alone. So he just stepped in obedience. He stepped in obedience. So when it comes to being servant-hearted, and I said about that selfish word, I just want to ask you this. Have you ever met a happy, selfish person? Have you ever met a fulfilled, selfish person in your life? I know when I'm selfish, I don't feel fulfilled. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. If you've ever met, if you ever say no, then you've never had a two-year-old. Because if you've never met a happy, you've never, or you never had me as a two-year-old. Because my first word was no. That just is what it is. Had a shirt that said it. I mean, it's how I rolled. No. I still say it. I probably could wear that shirt today. I'd probably have it on. I'm just kidding. I don't have it on. That would be bad. It'd be like right here. But like, no. No. That was my word. It's because we're all born into sin. We're all born selfish. We're all born unsatisfied. So here's what I'm trying to get at. Today, if your word is to be servant-hearted, if you want to leave servant-hearted, I want you to know the only way to get what you want in life is to give it first. Jesus said those who want to have life have to give their life because he gave his life for us. If you are discouraged right now, reach out and encourage someone today and see what happens to your discouragement. If you're walking around overwhelmed today, ask somebody how you can pray for them. And I promise you, your problem won't seem big at all. Hey, if you feel unloved today, ask God to show you somebody who's hurting. I'm telling you, you'll realize how loved you are. Because more than likely, that person may not be in Christ. And they don't know what real love is. Hey, if you're struggling, feeling that you aren't blessed... Ask Jesus, we talked about committing to being generous and living the generous, generous life. Ask Jesus to place someone in your life right now that needs to be blessed. That needs, that needs something. A mother that needs something. A father, a child that needs something. And I'm telling you, he'll do it. Now what you do with it's up to you, but he'll do it. And that's because in order to, in God's economy that's flipped upside down, in order to really get what you want, you got to give it first. The famous theologian Zig Ziglar, he's not. But Zig Ziglar would say it this way if you've ever listened to him. You can have everything, you, everything in life you want if you'll just help other people get what they want. You can have everything you want in life if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. And how do we apply that to Christianity? I can be fully who God created me to be in life. First, I've got to give my life to Christ because I've got to give it away. But if I want that and yearn for that for others in my life, I will become more of who Jesus created me to be because I'm willing to live servant-hearted. Servant-hearted. And as hard as that may sound and as, as tough as that may sound, right now there is tough soil around us in this world. Tough soil, but we get to till it. We get to till it for the harvest. And that is, that is thankful. So before we get there, and, and I'm, I'm, almost, I'm getting there. I know I'm rallying. I'm trying to help with these words today because I, I'll share mine next week with us. But if you know anything about me, it's why I struggle with gifts. Receiving gifts. I'll tell you right now, I'll eat tuna for a year just so that I can give you a gift. That's just how I roll. I mean, I will. If you, don't, if you know anything about me. I struggle receiving gifts, and this is why. 100%. I want those that I love to know. I want more for you than you could ever give me. And one day when I'm off this earth and I'm in heaven in glory, I want to know that what I left behind was more than I ever took. 
And only in Christ Jesus can I experience that. Because without Christ, I'm not servant-hearted. Without Christ, I don't care. Tuna, beacon. Ah, we'll get it for him next week. You know, like, heart attack city. Like, right? Like, all the way through, like, I want you to know that that's me. And that's because I'm servant heart. Like, that's who I am. Some of it had to do with my upbringing, but it's only in Christ Jesus. So I want you to know, all the way through, that is why I love giving you gifts. And when you give it to me, I'm just like, ah, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I don't know what to do with it. I don't, I don't. Because I just want you to know more than anything that I want more for you than you could ever give me. And what if we lived our life that way? We do it for our children, hopefully. We want more for them than we could ever want for ourselves. What if we wanted that for the guy that's got the homeless sign down the road right now that's searching for hope and he's only finding it in a heroin addiction? What if we wanted more for him than he could ever give us? What if we wanted that? Holy cannoli. That would be awesome. So last but not least, here's what I want for offices. We're looking for this word. Here's what I want. I just said being servant-hearted. Here's what we have to have as we go. We got to be God-centered, faith-focused, servant-hearted, and we got to be future-oriented. We got to be future-oriented because what did Nehemiah say in verse 20? We'll start rebuilding. He said, we, his servants, will start rebuilding. We will start rebuilding. They continue to rebuild that wall. Galatians 6, 9 says it this way. Do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will receive the harvest if what? You do not give up. And church, we can't give up because God is still here. We can't give up. We can't think it's over. I haven't seen the clouds part. I haven't heard the trumpet. He's not done. There's still work for us to do. So as we seek out this word and we live being being faithful to all that he's called us to be. Look to the future and know that with Christ, the best is always still yet to come. It's not over. He's not done. If Nehemiah and one heard the wall's broken down, it's been broken down for 90 years, what if he just said, ah, well, let's just go build a new arena over there. Let's just go redevelop. Let's just go over there and do this. Let's condemn the place Jerusalem was a good run. It was all right. Jesus will be here in 500 years. It's going to be no big deal. And he just let it be. He would have missed out. And so would Jerusalem. And so why in the world, how in the world can we live this out? Well, I shared this on Thursday a little bit. If you're looking for a book to read this year, I would highly recommend Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. It's a great, awesome book. It's about Auschwitz. It's about those who survived Auschwitz knew that it had a greater purpose and it's man's search for meaning because, quite honestly, that's what we're all looking for is meaning. Let's be real. We just look for meaning. It's a great book. It's a quick, it's probably a weekend read. I don't know how fast you read, but it's a weekend read, at least I would think. But it can take longer. Do whatever it takes. It's a great book, and it's about Auschwitz, and it's about the Jews who survived that. And the ones who did had hope that it had a purpose. The ones who gave up are the ones who missed out walking out of there. Some were killed without their own choice. But those who were getting close to the end when they were about to be liberated knew that they had hope in something greater, that God was working this out. They couldn't see it. They didn't know how. But that is what that book is all about. And it's a great book. I would highly recommend you check it out. And this is why this is important for us. You and I have the power to miss out on the good thing God wants to do with us. How? If we give up. Nehemiah was in a great position. He's the king's cupbearer. So what? I croak if I die, but if I don't, I get to sample in all of the king's food and sample in the king's household and have the king's ear, but instead he was so broken for his people 
that he stepped and said, we're going to rebuild this city. Not because of me, but because of the God of heaven. And it's what he's called me to do. And I want you to know wherever you are right now, if you're searching for that word, what in the world, if, what would happen if we just lived it out? Because I believe we can. And you may say, well, it's going to take more of us. There's not enough of us. We start with what we got. We start with what we got. And we continue to walk in faithful obedience. And we see what God does. Each and every one of us are a product of Jesus with 12 people who couldn't tell their left from their right hand. 12 people who were considered dumb. 12 people who were considered outcast. 12 people, one of which turned their back on him all the way through. All of which deserted him. Let's be real. All of which deserted him except John. And that's probably because Mary was there and be like, John, I'm not going to that cross by myself. And that's why Jesus was like, hey, this is your mother. You know, it is what it is. We're brothers. Like, all the way through, they all deserted him. But we're the product of that because they walked in faithful obedience. And so today, what I want you to say and what we're going to end on is what we started on. God is still here. So everybody say it with me. God is still here. Say it faithful. God is still here. Whatever you're walking through, that problem in your head right now, whatever you're struggling with, how you feel broken down, stare at it and say, God is still here. He is still here. And the world needs to know that God is still here. When governments tumble, when walls get broken down, when people feel hopeless and helpless, God is still here. We just celebrated Christmas. It's him coming down for us. He is still here. And it is up to us whether we want to be a part of what he is building or if we're going to sit on the sideline and miss out. And the thing I want for all of us in 2021 as we grow deeper roots is not to miss out. Let's be a part of this thing, whatever it looks like. Let's be a part of it. What have we got to lose? Nothing. What do we got to gain? Everything. Everything. So as we pray and prepare for January 31st, I pray that God will give you that word, will give you that verse. I pray that maybe you go through this filter to see if your verse and your word is God-centered, is it faith-focused, is it servant-hearted, and is it future-oriented? Because the thing that I realize for many of us as we wrap up today is maybe some of us haven't considered Jesus you see, with Christ, the best is still yet to come. Jesus even said it this way in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened or heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I want you to see two things in there. Many of us, three things really. Many of us are weary and burdened even in Christ Jesus. But if we are, excuse me, <laughs> heartburn. Uh, if we are in him, that was not rest, pardon me. Uh, if we are in him, he promises, he gives us two things, rest and a yoke, rest. Rest isn't sitting on your couch watching Netflix all day, getting mad because they took your show off or whatever that is. Is that still Netflix? Yeah, I think it's still on. Uh, one of those things, as you can tell, I don't watch TV much anymore either. Footballs, playoffs, that's all I got right now. So uh, all the way through, whatever that is for you, it doesn't mean that. It means you can have peace. Peace from your burden. Because here's the thing. When you are in Christ Jesus, you ain't got to worry about the result. Here's what Nehemiah knew. It was up to God whether that wall was rebuilt or not. He just got to be a part of it. If it took 52 days, it took 52 days. If it took another 90 years, it's going to take another 90 years. It is what it is. It's, it's up to God for the result. And when you're in Christ Jesus, you don't have to worry about the results of your life. That doesn't mean you're lazy about it. It just means you take the next step God's calling you to take, whatever that is. 
Because not only in Christ do you have rest, but he says, I'll put my yoke upon you. Because life is a series of burdens. Burdens. Burdens that none of us were ever meant to carry on our own. Burdens. 100%. Broken down city walls. Burned city walls. Mourning. Grief. Burden after burden after burden after burden after burden. And the Christian life is not the easy life. Jesus never promised us that. He said, but if you will follow me, you're going to find rest because you're going to receive my yoke. And his yoke carries the burden with us. A yoke. Remember, if you ever learned this, an oxen, how they used to plow the ground is they would yoke two oxen together. And they would go through and till the soil to get ready for what was happening. And, and the reason that's important is because Jesus has already carried that burden. And he says, hey, put your yoke to me and let's walk through this together. Because one ox can only do so much. But when the one who's carried it all for us says, hey, put it to me, I want to be beside that guy. Like, I want to be beside the guy who's already carrying it for me because that is when I can rest knowing that it's up to him for the result. Because the burden I carry, if I'll just yoke to him, I'll be willing to let it go. So wherever you are today, I just want to ask, are you trying to build the results for your life? Are you trying to carry the burdens for this life? Because I think 2020 has left us broken down and beaten up all the way through for those of us who are trying to carry it on our own. But in Christ Jesus, we see that there is hope. There is hope. And so wherever you are, I'm just going to ask, have you ever considered Jesus? Have you ever considered Jesus? I know maybe you've heard these church people get yelled at and, and yell at you and, and try to tell you how terrible of a person you are. And I just want to tell you, we all are. Look back at them and say, hey, we all are because we all are. Without Christ, we are. But with Christ, we can be exactly who we were created to be. The results don't have to be up to us. We can be yoked to him, and he can help us because he's carrying our burdens. And whatever season we walk in in life, we can rest because we're yoked to him. So have you considered Jesus? Have you considered Jesus? See, this is your opportunity if you haven't. We're about to bow our heads and say this prayer. It's not the words of this prayer that saves you. It's the faith that Jesus is who he says he is all the way through and I want you to know we pray this as a family because we don't believe in taking next steps alone here at the vine and so with every head bow and every eye closed I'm going to ask everyone to repeat this prayer after me not not because the prayer is what saves you but the faith the faith that you can rest and yoke your life to Christ so please repeat after me dear Jesus I believe I'm a sinner separated from you I believe you came Live the perfect sinless life that I couldn't live, but love me enough to die for my sin on the cross, paying the penalty for my sin, and rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. And with every head bow and every eye closed, if you can say for the first time that you've received this free gift of salvation because you are resting in the Lord, you have yoked your life to him, you have given him your life, surrendered it to him, I'm gonna ask you to count to three. 
I'm gonna count to three, excuse me, and ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three. If that's you, if you're in the house, if you're watching online, you're gonna see a hand that's raised. Maybe you're listening throughout the world right now and you're for the first time considering Jesus and trusting him. I'm gonna ask you to reach out to us at prayer at thevine.tv or 580-6698. We wanna celebrate that with you because we believe in being a part of the local church, being a connected body, helping each and every one of us take the next steps that Jesus is calling us to take. And for the rest of us right now, as we're walking through this, I just pray that today you would be reminded, if nothing else, that God is still here. As we step into this moment of worship, because God is still here, because of Christ Jesus, we get to step into God's presence. We get to show that Jesus is our treasure, heaven is our reward, and the best reward that we can have is to be in the very presence of our Creator. So I pray as we worship and sing right now, that we would step into his presence like never before, that we would trust him to know that he is doing something great and inviting us along to be a part of it. So would you please stand and sing?
All right. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, we are so thankful for each and every one of you. As we march into 2021, we can say God is still here. So whatever you're going through, whatever you go through today, whenever the red light will not change on the way home, just remind it, God is still here. I got stuff to do. God is still here. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you to come hang out with us next week. I want to tell you, hey, we got, a, we got some awesome family here at The Vine. We aren't perfect. We know it, and that's the beauty of it. So we would love for you to come hang out with us. So I want to invite you to come next week as we continue into It's His Year and talk about how we're going to live out declaring God is still here and that it's His year. So let's pray, and then we're going to have an awesome week. Jesus, thank you again for this time. Thank you for bringing us together. Jesus, for those who aren't here, we just lift them up right now. And Jesus, we know that right now many are like those walls in Jerusalem. They're broken down and beaten up. So Jesus, I just pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts that are moved with compassion to just be your vessel to them. Jesus, as you place them in our path, I pray that we would do everything we can to point them to you. And it starts with just loving them right where they are. Those who aren't here today, Lord, let them know that we miss them. We can't wait to see them next week. And Jesus, whatever we're walking through today, I just pray that we would be so centered in you that we can't help but see you as our treasure. Thank you, Lord, that you allow us to do this. Thank you that we get to be here in 2021. Others would say they don't want to be, but I'm telling you right now, we are thankful to be because we know that you have created us for this. So we love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Have an awesome week. Can't wait to see you next week.